The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show. Actually, you should be welcoming me to the show. I <laughs> I took my first, uh, let's see, it was a week plus a couple days. It was probably 10 days altogether. I took my first uh, vacation in probably... Oh, I don't know, five years, six years, maybe longer. I'm not even sure. I mean, I've you know, I've I've gotten away usually for business reasons, for three or four days at a time here and there, going to an event, which I enjoy. So it's almost like a vacation. But I haven't taken a week plus in uh, in. I'm really struggling to remember the last time I did that. It's been a really really long time, and I'm not going to lie, I am exhausted from it. I am completely wiped out from my week's vacation. My 10 days, whatever it was. Uh, I apologize for not having shows last week. Um, you know, I, I frequently will, will have best ofs run, but I just decided, you know what? We're just going to take a pause. And that's what we did last week. So we're here back tonight to uh, bring you, uh, obviously, another great interview, great discussion. We're going to be talking with Jen Ward tonight. Jen is a dynamic healer, an executive coach, and a group facilitator. And she'll be talking about uh, spiritual freedom technique. It's the SFT lexicon. That's the name of her book. By the way, I've got the book here. This thing, I mean, this is a, this is like half a library. This is not just a book. This is some significantly detailed work. And we're going to get the, uh, the the nuts and bolts of it from Jen tonight. She'll tell us what it's all about. Uh, we'll be talking about past lives. We'll be talking about existing lives. We'll talk about mental physical, emotional, and spiritual blockages we could be suffering from, how to overcome those, and actually uh, find ways to realize our full potential in life. That's what we'll be talking about with Jen Ward tonight, so it'll be a great conversation. I do want to uh, mention one other thing, because we are broadcasting here on YouTube. My other program that I have been doing here on YouTube, which most of you know is a political program, uh, while I was on vacation, I do that program with Britt Griffith, and again, most of you know that. While I was on vacation, Britt uh, ran the show, and the first night that he did it, uh, which was last Monday night, so a week ago last night, in the first three minutes, he ran a video which got the channel <laughs> got the channel suspended from YouTube. So if you've been looking for the Independence Gang for the last week... Uh, the YouTube channel has been suspended. However, the program has continued. As I've always said, we've always said, if if you show up to see the show on YouTube some night and it is not there, go to Twitch or go to Rumble. Or you can wait for the podcast the next day. But go to Twitch, Rumble are the live stream backups for the Independence Gang, and you can await further instructions. Now, the show should be back live on YouTube Wednesday night, so that'll be tomorrow night, if our math is correct with this suspension. So we've gotten our first spanking from YouTube. What a joke, right? But we've gotten our first, and if, if it happens again within 90 days, then we get a two-week suspension. If it happens again within another period of time, I'm not sure what the second period of time, then we actually get our account deleted. I mean, we're, we're trying to walk the line. We're trying not to say anything that is knowingly false. These are the things that we talk about in the program or are, are, should be open for discussion and debate. That's the, way, uh, that's the way democracy works, but apparently it doesn't work that way on this particular channel. So um, 
whatever. We'll just continue to try to do our best to avoid those things while still uh, fulfilling our purpose. However, our purpose here on this program is far different. We talk about many things, mystical, esoteric, paranormal, of course. We've got some great shows coming up. Uh, At this point, I'll be doing live shows on Tuesday and Thursday nights because we will are doing the independence game monday wednesday and friday and right now it's just too much for me to juggle to do juggle doing two shows on any given night so i do one and that's how we're going to be moving forward fitty i see you're questioning where everybody is you know we haven't been on in a while it'll take a few minutes for people to file in gotta just relax my friend gotta relax Okay, let's take a break. Let's get Jen Ward on the phone with us and begin our conversation. We can start talking about all of uh, her work. She's not just written this one book. I mean, she's got like 19 books to her credit. She's a very, very accomplished author and uh, has written a lot about many different topics. And we'll touch on some of that stuff as well with Jen. It's Beyond Reality, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality. Don't forget, we've got some great shows coming up, and uh, we're going to be talking about things like uh, ghosts and Bigfoot. There's been a, a bunch of Bigfoot sightings recently that have a lot of people scratching their heads so we'll be talking about that a little bit of course there's always ufo conversation in our future a lot of great stuff but tonight we're going to be talking with jen ward jen is a dynamic healer an executive coach and a group facilitator we're going to be talking specifically about sft that is spiritual freedom technique she's got a book out called the sft lexicon i'm holding it in my hands jen this is a heck of a book it's kind of heavy uh i could do i could actually do my workout with this book (laughs) this is a this is a heck of a piece of work welcome to the show Thank you, Davey. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Uh, Since it's the first time you've been on the show with us, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. How'd you get involved in all this? Oh, I I just... I'm just one of those pathetic people. (laughs) I've had a very abusive lifetime, and so... and, um, And I just was... had a great imagination and these great sensitivities where, um... I had nowhere to go but inwardly because nobody wanted to deal with me on the outside, right? Um, Youngest of 10, alcoholics, abusive, you know. And so I had to go within just to have any normalcy at all, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Sounds kind of tragic in a way, which I'm sure you'd agree with. Oh, I love that it's tragic because you know what? A lot of people live in tragedy, and they think they're alone. So, 
So it's time to, like, you know, get them out of the closet, you know, embrace your differences, embrace your story. Everyone's got one. Yeah, and the, but the way you just described that uh, and the way you told that little bit of your story there, I'm sure there are a lot of people thinking, wow, I kind of feel that way. I kind of <laughs> feel like the only place I can turn is to within myself. Without getting too personal, Jen, because I don't want to, you know, drag up any skeletons that you don't want to talk about. But was this were these family issues that you were dealing with? Was this with this, uh, or was it was it, uh, you know, family uh, while you were a child? Give us a sense of how this developed in your life. Well, actually, it was a whole life. So, so I'm the youngest of ten in a Catholic family. My mother didn't want to have children anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I was her worst nightmare as giving birth. So she tried to, like, abort me or oh, me fast. And, and all the time I was gestating, she was trying to figure out how to get rid of me. But, but and so on my, the night I was born, she was drunk as a, a skunk, and she was screaming how much she hated me, and she cursed me. And Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a great um, introduction. Yeah, what a way to start. Like, what a way to start. No, but uh, it, it actually does work out well because I have the strength that, that I... Uh, of the resistance, you know, if someone like doesn't like me, it's just that's just another day yeah. at home for me. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you you learn you learn how to be strong against that uh, when, especially when you're when it starts from the very f- first breath you take, you kind of learn how to be strong against that, don't you? Absolutely, and and you know what, people out there have strengths that they don't even realize they have until they're tested and stuff. So people have to realize that you know. They're not being victimized uh, in the ways they think they are. They're actually being blessed with this this um, sensitivity and the strength that that is beyond compare. So they need to embrace that more. I think that's such an important point. I, I don't know if you heard the introduction to the program, but I also do a political show, and a lot of times when I talk about politics on the other show, you know, there's a lot of victimhood that people are raising throughout the country everywhere in everyday life. And I keep, you know, and some of it's very legitimate, but in other cases I keep thinking, you know what, everybody's had adversity in their life in some form or another. And generally, if you, if you instead of looking for excuses for that adversity, if you face it and learn how to become stronger from it, it makes you a better person ultimately. So much success and so much achievement has come from people overcoming adversity. Absolutely. And, and, to, be, and, and to be honest with you, I love it when I'm wrong because cause I don't want to be burdened with having the absolute truth out there and that that, you know, that's a heavy burden for people. So when they think that they have the absolute truth, that's a heavy weight to carry. So when someone proves me wrong, it's relief to me. Like, thank goodness. Thank goodness I don't have to carry that truth yeah. myself. Let me take you back uh, again to your childhood. Did you, uh, obviously, you, you told us a story that, that was in, in some ways very terrible about about your mother's feelings about you as you were as she was pregnant for you and as she brought you into the world but did you ever develop a healthy relationship with your mother no i was never loved as a child i never had close contact i actually have a flat spot on the back of the my head where i laid against the headboard as a baby and it just formed against oh, wow. the headboard yeah what do you think in retrospect? Now you work with energy. You're a healer uh, in many ways, both uh, you know, 
mentally and emotionally and all of these things. What do you when you look back on maybe your time in the womb, that negative energy that your mother had during that time? Do you think that affected you while you were in the womb? Um. Um. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. Of course, it does affect you when you're in the womb. But so the thing is, is like. That doesn't even matter. I have the perfect mother for for my purpose in this right. lifetime, so I don't I don't like dwell on that. I mean, there, there's a lot of post traumatic stress about growing up, and as a matter of fact, I have nightmares. Like I was locked up, starved, and tortured on the property by a sociopath uh, twelve years ago. You were well, hold, 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 hold. you were locked. <laughs> what now? I, yeah. And so I w- I don't have nightmares about that though. I have nightmares about the siblings and being around relatives. So that puts that in perspective. For Did you say you were locked up in in an upstairs and tortured? No, in a uh, starved and tortured. No, in a basement. Oh, in a basement. Mm-hmm. Were you were you were you a captive? What? what? Yeah, I had Stockholm syndrome with this guy. So, oh my um, goodness! Yep, and um, it was again. It was training for what I do. I've learned to have compassion for anyone from any walk of life, and um, I was sensory deprived there. I couldn't like watch TV, read newspapers, talk to anyone, um, whatever. So, so I really developed more sensitivities, even greater than I already had. So it was great training for what I do now. Well, you know, the, your outlook and your um, the way you you look at your past and you, you paint, I mean, I hear these things and the audience hear, hears these things and they think, how horrible. And yet you talk about them as though they're an asset and and, 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 and experience and education. What a tremendous outlook you have on things. Well, you know what? When I first started sharing, like, um, ways to help people like on social media or whatever because I, I, I you know I do have these innate talents that maybe other people don't have I would get challenged by these people and they would they would think that well you couldn't possibly know what I've been through and then so I I realized I had to tell my story so they didn't think that they had me bested and and it, it shouldn't have to be a um contest on who's got the worst life but once they realized what i had been through they they didn't have to try to best me and they couldn't play the victim with me wow no one can play the victim with me yeah so you you looked at your life experience you saw other people in need and other people that might need a bit of a if not if not help maybe even a bit of a wake-up call as you as you kind of explained it there and you decided to help them at what point at what point did that turnabout happen for you so when I came back from the property, um, um, I thought I was a retired boy. I was so brainwashed, and and I was like almost I almost died there. So I was like really weak, and I was really naive, and and my brain had suffered. I hadn't eaten a, a lot of food in a year, so I just was in so much pain. But I still had this ability to help people, and so I went to a family picnic, and I helped this nephew who is really savvy in business and I made him cry and he's not the type of person to cry and I could empathize with what he was going through where nobody else would because he didn't talk about it but I knew what he was going through because I can just see it and I can sense it with my you know subtle senses and he actually cried and after that him and his business people made a website for me so I could reach out to other people taught me how to tweet 
they actually had to teach me. And then I um, helped the celebrity find your lost dog, um, Muriel Hemingway, and then I got a lot of followers on Twitter. But then I was just, I used that for therapy. I would just help people. I would just send out positive tweets and messages and make people feel better, and that was my therapy. And it's just continued this day. You talk about these senses, and you've mentioned it a few times, senses that you, you have that most people don't have. Are these like, would you consider them to be uh, psychic or spiritual sensitivities? Well, I don't call myself psychic or clairvoyant or medium. I do all those things, but I think everybody does have those senses. They just haven't been trained in it. So so you even have them. Like, you're a bullshit artist, right? You can tell when someone's BSing you, right? Generally, yeah. Okay, so that's a subtle sense. You're not, you're not, you know, seeing it. You're not touching it. You're not tasting it. But you still have this knowingness, and so, and you get gut feelings about things, right? You sure. Get, you get like red flags about things. That's all your subtle senses. So part of what I like to do is like to articulate um, what the subtle senses are like, so people can like explore it for themselves. So they're not at the mercy of um, people who are trying to, like, shake them down, like like unethical psychics or whatever. They can do that stuff for themselves in lots of cases. So you help people. Uh, by the way, I, just, I should mention your website is Genuine Healing, and Genuine is a playoff of your name. It's J-E-N as in Jen Ward, Genuine Healing, which is rather clever. Um, but you describe yourself as a healer, but not just a, any healer. You're a dynamic healer. What is I di- am. What is dynamic healing? Well, I started saying it tongue-in-cheek, you know what I mean? Because, like, I was trained to put myself down, to make fun of myself. I was smart enough to know that other people were going to put me down because that was my role in the family. And so I started to realize how sensitive I was in energy when I stopped putting myself down. And it's... It's it's a hard habit to break because that's that was a survival skill. Sure. Right? Yeah. So so what I had to do is do tongue in cheek and I'd say I'm a dynamic healer because I, I didn't really believe it but but then I grew into it and stuff and people are actually getting rid of their issues using the SFT protocol and, and my help in lots of ways because I'm so sensitive I can perceive stagnant energy in someone. It's almost like, you know how you're like, like if there's smoke in a room and it's really stuffy and you can't breathe? Mm -hmm. That's how I feel another person's energy when they have stagnant energy. And I do medical intuitive so I can go and, and see into their body where there's blockages and help release them because I can move um, energy with my intentions. I don't think it's, I mean, other people see, think it's fabulous, but I think it was it came from having such low self-esteem mm-hmm. that if anyone, anybody came to me and wanted help, I wanted to do anything I could to help them, and I basically did that. So um, there were times when I was younger when someone w- would call me, and, and I don't know how they knew that I could do this or whatever, but they said I, they didn't want to go to the emergency room. It was the middle of the night. They were having, like, diverticulosis, which is bleeding from the rectum that wouldn't stop, or or my uh, someone close to me was having a stroke at one time, and he, he intuitively knew to call me. Wow. So I make these sounds, which is like converting their pain to um, a different form of energy, which is sound energy, and releasing it. 
And so this person who was having a stroke, I was making these noises and stuff, and I was about to take it all away. And something in my mind, like the spirit guides or the guides that I use, said, don't take it all away. He needs this lesson. So, And I didn't even know what I was um what was happening? You know, I I knew I was talking to something, but I, I just, you know, it was just instinct as well. And so what happened was um, he ended up having a mini stroke. I kept him from having a major stroke where we, he was like brain dead or whatever, and he had the little bitest of lisp from it, and that was all he had. But he needed that little lisp for humility or something. So they... They made me stop. Yeah. So I have so many questions about that. So um, I noted in, in in your the information we have in the research we did on your work that you say you work with adepts. Now, let's talk about them mm-hmm. for a second. But when you say they and you're talking about spirit guides, are they the same thing as yes, the adepts? The okay. Adepts. Okay. Yeah. Tell us they what they are. They don't lead with personality because... Um, like, people know spirit guides, and then they want to know, oh, St. Michael, or this one, or that one. And as, as soon as they start naming it and worshiping it, it becomes um, bastardized, and it becomes an ego thing. And they start to to worship this thing, this person. And the adepts are, like, don't want their personalities to get involved. They just silently work with people. And I'm sure a lot of people are working with them and don't even realize it. But... Um, it's more subtle, and um, or maybe not, but but it's not a personality worship. So it's a definite, definite assistance, and and they've helped keep me alive. They helped me escape when I needed to escape, and they've helped me keep going when I needed to keep going. Jen, what are the adepts? Though are they spiritual beings? Are they angels? Yes. Are they no, spirit ghosts? That... They're humans. Okay. They have, like, just lived so long. They kept their physical body because at a certain level of awareness, you can control whether you cross over or not. I mean, you you figure everything out. And it's, trust me, it's possible to figure out a lot of this stuff and to um, manipulate body functions and such. So they, they decided to stick around in the physical form and... Um, and they have a lot of the, the abilities that an angel would have, like they can bilocate or, you know, be present when they're not present, you know. So, but... Um, but are they, are they in physical form when now, when you work with them, when they help you? Um, no, they don't come to me in physical... Okay. I've only had them come to me in physical form a couple times. I see. And um, one time when I was learning massage in my own massage room, one of the adepts, a uh, Chinese master came into my room and was I was doing cranial sacral with this with this person and he, and he came to the other end of the body and was teaching me an energy how to do healing. See, I have this ability to like do many different healing modalities that other people went after massage school. They went away and spent thousands of dollars to learn these different modalities, and they would come back and just share them with me, and I just. I mastered them just by knowing of them. And so, uh, yeah, so I get to use all these different modalities. And um, and this this adept was teaching me how to be a better healer. How long have you been aware of them in your life? How long have you known? I mean, well, let me, I'll ask Part B in a second. How long have you been aware of their role in your life? 
Um, well, I knew them as a child, but I didn't know who they were. So I had, like, I had, you know, we have established I'd have a horrific childhood. But when there was a lot of trauma, they would come to me and they would calm me. So one night, um, my mother's lover's son was torturing me with, with um, teasing me, saying, because we lived really poor in the house. We only had a space heater to heat it. And he goes, oh, this house is so dry. If the space heater knocks over, this house is going to go up in a second and everyone's going to die. And he terrified me, right? I was sure, only like yeah. nine. Yeah. And so I'm laying in bed, like, really scared and stuff. And then the adepts came to and said, don't be silly. We didn't bring you here. We, you didn't. You didn't come here just to go out like that. You got a lot of work to do this lifetime, and um, don't worry about that. And they, they comforted me in that way. So it seems like your life uh, and your course, your path through life, was a bit predetermined based on what you just told us. But I didn't know it at the time. Sure, you I didn't. Mean, yeah. How many people out there's life is predetermined, and they don't know until hindsight. Right. So what I was on the property um, with this sociopath, psychopath, I don't know the difference. He he would send me through this routine of, of, you know, berating me and humiliating me and all these things. And I was talking in my head and he and I, and they something was telling me I had to stay and that I was going to be world renowned one day. And back then, I didn't have any writings. I didn't have any protocol. I didn't even know I could do such healing and stuff. I only had a little hint of it. But they said that this was important for me to be here, and I was doing something there that was important to me. And um, actually, while I was on the property that year, I went through the process of enlightenment, which is a real real thing, by the way. It's a three-day formula thing where you... um, See, what humans do is wrong as far as when they want awareness. They try to avoid everything that's awful, and they try to be good, and religions teach them to be good, but they're keeping them away from the edge of enlightenment because enlightenment is having the ego go into everything that's horrific and to to see it as part of you and to, like, step into that and step through it and see the illusion of that. And when you see the illusion of that, there's nothing else to fear. And when there's nothing else to fear, the ego can't hook to you anymore and can't subjugate you. And then you leave. The ego is taken out for like three days, and there's just incredible bliss. It's just it's the most common experience that you can ever imagine. But then after the three days, the ego comes back in because you need it to live as a tool. And then it feels like something scary is happening, like you're being overtaken by something evil. But you just have to, like, relax with it and realize it's just a process. So more and more people are able to go through enlightenment. And as a matter of fact, I've had clients through my tapping methods be able to go through enlightenment. And so it's happening more spontaneous now these days. So the... Events that you describe as being with a, you say, sociopath or a psychopath, you don't know the difference. And quite honestly, John, I don't either. So okay. I'm not going to try to pre- pretend I do. One, whatever that, whatever that person was, uh, that was. You said that was like 12 years ago. Yeah. So when you when you got out of that situation and you recognized how much you had to offer people to help them, you started writing and you've written what 18, 19 books. You've written a lot of stuff. 19 books and um. 
No, I didn't actually realize I had that much to offer. I've been I've been writing blind, and I still don't realize that it, the extent to which I have things to offer. But I know. See, I have the 19 books out there, but but I listen to the adepts, and and the last four or five years have been really choppy, and there there were like um there was a real chance that we wouldn't break through to exist, to continue to exist because of the battle for um, the dominance. But I know it sounds crazy. And no, stuff. I just want to make sure, are you talking about we as a as a world or we as a you and the, and the adepts? We as the world. Okay. The, the earth, the humanity. 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 So I've been doing inward work for the last four or five years with the tapping with groups and stuff to dissipate a lot of psychic streams of energy of people and things in power that so what people and things in power try to do is they try to create suffering to use a fuel as a fuel for their agendas so what i do because of my awareness of energy and how it gets stockpiled as as Power factions have tried to to stockpile um, suffering. I've been dissipating their, their stockpiles and dissipating it and giving it back to the individuals. And I know it sounds silly and stuff, but um, but but the work I do is I actually wrote a book called The Turning Point, which was all the tabs I've put out there in one year, and the adults wanted me to write that as evidence of of what I was putting out there to shift consciousness in the world. Do you channel the adepts? No, I don't need to. You don't need I, to. No, I, no, and you know what? There's a lot of people who, who like, think that they channel, but mm-hmm. they just don't have the self-confidence to realize that they're tapping into direct knowingness. So it's almost like channeling as a crutch to not realize how dynamic they are themselves. Right. So that's another thing I like to do is empower individuals. Usually when you get someone on the planet who has an awareness, and so I might have an awareness that other people might have, they try to leverage that for personal power. But the beauty of, of myself and, and um, being in a female body is I don't collect power from what I do. I actually use my talents in an altruistic way to help all individuals all over the world get their empowerment back. And this is kind of a little evidence of it when you see all these people in all these countries being able to protest, when, and when why weren't they able to protest the years before this and stuff? Because they're actually getting some of their, their individual, individuality and their energy back from the, the work that um, me and some of the people who do the tapping for humanity. I feel a little bit naive when I when asking this next question, but you talk about being the reincarnation of Madame Blavatsky. I don't know who Madame Blavatsky is, but I know I've heard the name. I know. She's the one who started the spiritual spiritualist movement in the 1800s. Okay. So back then I was trying to empower women in a different way using the spiritualist. Movement. And I also um, started the Theosophy group. But what happened then is, um, you know, my work got bastardized and uncontaminated. And actually, Hitler used Madame Blavatsky's work to um, 
to gain awareness, That's which right. is like, I know, so, so part of a lot of the work I do is cleaning up that mess. So I'm doing um, energy work this lifetime to clean up the power mongers because I set that emotion by giving out too much truth when, when it was used wrong. That's one thing I got from that lifetime. Another thing is I, I set up the Theosophy movement, and they kicked me out. Now, when you kick out the, the, someone who starts something like that, you, you remove the heart of it. And that's why it became such a mental, mental group. So because I started a group in that lifetime, and I saw how badly that ended up um, going, as far as, like, it's not taking people to enlightenment. It's only taking them to the mental realms. Um, I learned my lesson to not form a group in this lifetime. My, my intentions in this lifetime are to actually focus on the individuals and empower all individuals one by one, not in a group consciousness. Because I've recently, I've relatively recently, this lifetime, realized that all power, all groups, are energetic Ponzi schemes, if you think about it. So you you give your energy to this group, and you're promised all these things, riches, mm-hmm. you know, and then you you don't get a return, but the the group gets more stronger, and you just stay the same, unless you know you make us think about it. So it's the same thing as a money Ponzi scheme. A lot of people. Uh have some bit of knowledge of past lives and mm-hmm. and uh, connections with people historical figures um and we talk about it a lot but a lot of them are, are a bit uncertain about it but you're you're completely convinced and very certain that you have this connection right and, and what oh my gosh. what I makes look, you so certain because i look just like her so i was told <laughs> i was her when i was much younger and i saw her and, and she's got bulgy eyes she's overweight she's like she looks like my sister and her daughter, and I, I, but she didn't look like me. I was in denial and stuff. So comes like a few years later, um, I didn't want to believe I was her because she was so homely. So I, I had her book, and I held it up to my face, her profile, next to my profile, and we look like the splitting image of each other. And then um, my writing is a lot like hers, and there's other coincidence, like her first book was published in my hometown, Rochester, New York. Oh, wow. And she talks about um, Rochester, New York, and, and her book, first edition of her first book, being a floodgate of higher consciousness pouring into the physical world. And she talked about tapping. She called it rapping, but she was talking about what I was doing now in the future. So she left breadcrumbs for me in that way. Now, now since then I've met my soulmate and I'm moving to to Wodonga, Australia. Oh man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know, and she talked about she talked about um how special Australia was and it was the site of Lemuria, which I don't and then people refute that and stuff, but then through some other channelings they said there's going to be a Lemuria too. And it, it's like I've had this, I've had this dream of opening up a healing center where I I meld my um, healing abilities with the trees, and I was going to start there here in Rochester, New York, and just about that time when I was about to get that property, 
I met my soulmate through, he came to me as a client, and he had a similar dream of starting this um, um, community that was sustainable and gave back to nature and whatever. So we held the same same vision, only we each held a half of the vision. So we realized that we were going to come together, and then it just it naturally progressed that I would move to Australia and we create the spiritual city together. Is your soulmate from Australia? Is that why? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have to tell you, I, I'm in upstate New York as well. I'm in Cooperstown, New York. so only a few hours okay. from Rochester. I've spent a significant amount of time in Rochester. In fact, I uh, I produced and, and hosted an event in Rochester in the, uh, what the heck was the name of the hotel? It was like the downtown Riverside Hotel. They, yeah. just, they just tore That's it down, didn't they? I don't think so. I think it's still there. They might be turning it into um, college campuses or something, but okay. yes, I knew it was still there. Well, all I know is when I showed up to have the event there, now I'd been planning this for uh, over a year, and I show up to have the event there, and the hotel tells me they're shutting down. We're the last group of people that will be in the hotel, and they're going to be shutting down. Therefore, the the hotel bar and restaurant were closed. Wow. They, the rooms were in shambles. The, the place was a mess. It was not a particularly pleasant no. experience. But, <laughs> no. Downtown yeah. Rochester is not the, the way you would go all of all of the things move out into the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, Rochester's a really neat city, though. Um, I, I, I like it a lot. Uh, there's a section there where uh, uh, what's what's uh, Eastman's house is and that whole yeah. area, whatever that is. I can't remember the name of it, but it's so beautiful. The homes um, are gorgeous. Yeah, the East Avenue, that's like um, a couple miles from where I live. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful there. And by the way, anybody who doesn't know who I'm talking about when I say Eastman, uh, George Eastman was the founder of Kodak, and Kodak was founded in Rochester. So um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Akashic Records. Another thing we hear frequently, you know, when we talk to people who are psychics or other type of uh, spiritualists, they often refer to the Akashic Records. You talk about them. One of your skills is that you can uh, read them. What are they? Why are they important? And do you need some kind of special skill to be able to get information out of the Akashic Records? No, everybody, everybody's a compilation of their Akashic Records. So, but, but they're not from the psychic realm. The psychic realm is the astral plane. The Akashic Records are on the next level of consciousness, more refined vibratory rate, the um, causal plane. And if you, you can tell when you're having dreams on the causal plane and not the astral plane is you'll have like pictures or different um, eras in in history or um, um, these Akashic records show up as photographs um, or catalog cards. So that's the symbol of them. If anybody's having dreams of those, they're visiting their Akashic records. Um, and so what they are is all the images off of your past, present, and future. And so ever since I've been a little girl, I've been, like, like being taken into past lives and stuff. I remember being un- untouchable in India and, and living in a gutter. And um, I've been shown all the a lot of different ways I've been murdered. And I've actually spent time as a ghost, and it's one of the loneliest experiences there is. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, so, but, but so when, and, and I'm so sensitive to energy, when someone calls me for a private session, I still do private sessions 
which are amazing. My private sessions are kind of like, you know how, like, between lifetimes you get a reboot, you get to, like, figure out what you need to do and and um, and do it better in the next life or something? Well, I know that that's what people say happens. I have to warn you, I am about as sensitive and aware of these things personally as a brick is. I... I feel like I'm one of the least sensitive people when it comes to this type of thing. I've been told over and over that I just have to find it within me and learn how to use it. I really feel like I am completely cut off uh, to those types of sensitivities. So I've heard that's the case. I just have no personal experience with it. Well, the thing is, you are sensitive. You are kind and you are um, you're thoughtful. And um, that's a form of sensitivity. My, my sense is, is that you... What happens is we've done some stuff in past lifetimes that we're not proud of, and um, we've ha- we have to have every experience in the in the thing because the whole point of of life is to school us on how to have this compassion and how to embrace our omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So we get these experiences of what it's like to kill someone, what it's like to be in pain, what it's like to suffer, all these things, so we can like relate to everyone else, right? So my sense is something in your past you don't want to look at because it's too painful. So you think that you're not sensitive, but you're probably very sensitive, and you just can't consciously deal with the pain. Mm. But the the beauty of the SFT lexicon book and the Tapping Protocols is you don't have to relive the pain. You don't even have to feel it. You can just get a sense of what you want to release, and then the taps all end with in all moments. So if you're feeling pain in this lifetime, it's most likely something that has happened in a past lifetime, and you're, you're reliving it because you've created these hiccups, these patterns in your energy field. So when you release the patterns in the present lifetime, you're also releasing it in the past. But the beauty of what I do is I'm able to go into that past lifetime, that core issue of when things were happening, and release it from that lifetime, which makes it more powerful to release it in this lifetime. Let's talk a little bit about male and female energy. You touched on it a little bit earlier in our conversation, but you say it's very, very important. What's the significance of male and female energy in relationship to what we're talking about right now? Okay, so... So most people, most people on the planet are, are in male energy now, even women. So the problem is like um, male energy and female energy have different, different strengths. Like male energy is like um, goal-oriented. It wants to hit the target. It wants to be first. It wants to be better. It wants to be the best. Female energy, she... Um, and I say he and she, but it's like, you know, just um, everyone has male and female energy. Right. Female energy is more expansive, more creative, sees the overview. It's more of your wisdom and stuff. It takes everyone into consideration. It wants to love everybody and not just, it doesn't need to be the best. It um, it feels the pain of others. So, it, uh, you know, I would much prefer to take the pain than to to experience someone else being in pain much easier to take it on and that's what female energy now male energy would be much much better best everybody because that's its nature 
So when you balance these things out, you have the strength of male energy and you have the strength of female energy working together. That's where you get your wisdom, your compassion, your kindness, and your abilities to lead as well. When clients contact you uh, and you employ SFT, what types of things are they facing? What problems in their lives do they are they encountering that makes them connect with you that you can help them with? Well, these days, um, a lot of people who come to me these days are they just hear my voice and they just uh, and I've heard this ever since I was just started my massage therapy thing is like they were meditating or praying or whatever they do and they're the God or whoever they talk to told them to come see me that I could help them. So I get that a lot. I actually end up going into people's, people say that I give them healings in the dream state, you know, um, which I'm happy to do, but I think, you know, these healing energies can take any form, and if it has to be me for them, that's fine. I'm not taking credit for it. But um, people come to me, and actually just using the book, I've had this woman in one of my workshops say, um, I had... I was born with asthma. I've had asthma all my life, and I did a set of the taps that you put in the book, and now I don't even need an inhaler, and it's really humid. I usually depend on the inhaler, but I don't need it at all. So thank you. You've used the word tapping. You, you said it was rapping at one point. It's now tapping. Uh, but uh, there are people that don't really understand what you're talking about when you use that word. Okay. So tapping is literally tapping on the top of your head and your chest and your abdomen. So it's like... People who use affirmations, either some people can use affirmations when they work and some people can't. I can't use affirmations because if I say I'm a size three, my body, my ego is going to say you've never been a size three. You're ridiculous. And it would taunt me, right? So what the tapping does is you say these firm, strong statements that I help people formulate with the books or I have them in the books, And you say them three times will tap on the top of your head. And what that does is it, dis, it disarms the ego, and it puts that intention at the top of the list of what to manifest. Now, humans manifest everything that they, they program themselves to manifest, they do. The problem is humans manifest negative things by default because they don't realize their own power. So the tapping taps into their own empowerment that they're not using right now and is actually retraining people to realize what empowered beings they are when they see the results of everything that they're tapping and and people are using these taps to really change their lives and change their own consciousness so so the tapping on the head um programs it into the mind which is a 3d printer to manifest tapping on the chest sets it in the body so it 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 um manifest and then tapping on the abdomen prevents the issue which is stagnant energy from scurrying or moving around in the body and like hiding dormant in the pelvic area or some parts of the body where you don't want it to be and so are they are they repeating the same series of words in all three locations when they tap yes so they say one statement Five times. Three times on the head, once on the chest, and once on the abdomen. Give us an example of the type of statement that you would advise somebody to, to employ. Okay. Um, we really, And I use we, not I, because I found out the word I is almost like it 
it summons the ego. Almost like, you know the series for a computer, you ask it a question and it, it turns on and, and answers you? Mm-hmm. The, the word I is just like that of the body. If you, if you say I, the ego perks up and it, it, it activates and then you're working against it. So I use the word we so you don't activate the ego in the same way. And, and everyone has spirit guides and helpers to do the task. Um, so, so here's a really simple one. We release being angry in all moments. And so you would say that three times. We release being angry in all moments three times. And then on the chest, release being angry. And then, then uh, in the abdomen, we release being angry. Now on my website, genuinehealing.com, there is a SFP worksheet called the Energetic Cleanse. And it's a series of taps where you use them like a mad lib, like we're using the word anger. So it's like 25 taps. You would put the word anger in every single one of those sentences and then say each sentence five times, three on the head, once on the chest, once on the abdomen. Do the whole series of taps. And then you dissipate your karmic connection with that issue. So it's like all energy pulls, which are vivaxes, between you and anger, all agreements to be angry, all contracts, all karmic contracts or ties with being angry, all portals to anger, you're closing off. So there's a whole series that the adepts have um, painstakingly taken me through to cleanse any aspect of the issue from the body. When somebody contacts you to for help, um, how do you, how can you determine what help is appropriate for them, particularly when it comes to the tapping protocol? Uh, you know, which what do you do with them to to figure out what what might be their inner problem or their or what's blocking them from progressing? Well, immediately they tell me in energy, so um, I don't let anybody tell me what what they want a session for, because if they tell me, they're just going to tell me something that's very low at the surface. And then they're trying to control what I do, so I don't allow them to do that. So I just, I just show up and we start talking, and I get images and senses, and I'm usually dead on and stuff. Like I'll get like an abusive father, or um, a pain, or a past life issue of being raped, or I get to see all the other things. Like um, one woman came to me, and um, she had neck issues. And I saw her past lifetime. She was this regal queen, and she had to, and and she was going to her execution, and she was beheaded. Ooh. Now, what was interesting about that was that um, because it's very funny, but I I collect tiaras for some reason. <laughs> so so then the tabs I would do with her is we release the trauma of being beheaded. You get you get that specific. The taps you yeah. did with her were you release we released the trauma of being beheaded. Yep, but that's what the whole SFT lexicon book is about is being that specific. So if you have neck issues, it's usually one of four things: being hung, being decapitated, being choked, or being crushed. So um, or having your neck snapped. So. So, and I've gotten this through the clients and stuff. So I put in the book all this, all the tips I've gotten to help clients with, and they, they really help people. 
so that if you have lung issues, it's being drowned or suffocated or, or having a lung punctured. But I actually see the images, and the images get more horrific and more refined as I as I get more um, more. Um, I'm 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 pretty good at this, so I can see when people have like participated in genocide, mm. or if they've been like Native Americans or whatever, whatever is the issue, I just see it. Now, you want to hear a real interesting case? Of course, yes. So this this is, happens to a lot of people who are in their heads. So I saw this guy who was really in his head. He couldn't, he couldn't, um, he, he couldn't be in his heart at all. He just was totally in his head, just overthinking all the time. Well, I watched him be executed. He was actually beheaded. And after he was beheaded, the executioner held up his head and showed it to the crowd. And because he died in terror, and people, you know, it's really horrific to be killed in front of people like that. And I get to experience that, you know, secondhand by watching it and experiencing it in my body and everything. So what happened secondhand, um, what happened is his soul didn't move on because it, when someone's killed in terror, they, they don't tend to cross over. They tend to stay with the body. But because all your senses are in the head, he didn't stay in the whole body. His whole soul went into his head. Oh. So so this guy held up the head, and it hit, that's where his soul was. And the, his body was, he was not, his soul was not in the the body at all because it was dismembered yeah. and all of them was in his head and and what happens is those are engrams they're like pictures that we carry in our dna and that picture of being in his head and the trauma of it um defined who he was in the present and he was always in his head and he felt like he was never able to get in his body and so we go in the taps and i give him actual taps we reattach her head we reconnect to your heart. We reconnect to your body. We heal your body. And all these things, and those actually shift the energy in him. It's so deep that nothing else will work. Jen, so- Jen that is, I mean, it's fascinating, but it's also mm-hmm. horrific in a way. When you, when you see these things, yeah. when you have an experience like that where you're seeing this man beheaded and the executioner hold up his head in front of a crowd, which is just... Is just horrifying. Uh, what do you do? You have a physical reaction to that? Does it frighten you, or are you just so used to it that that you just take it more academically? Well, the thing, is, see, and that's why my now you see why my background is so perfect. I've been terrorized by my family and by the sociopath to a point of numbness where I can't I can't be moved by anything horrific anymore. So, so when I see these images, it, it, it's just um, it's just clinical for me. It is horrific, and I do have reactions. And then, by the way, when I had my dogs, um, my dogs would see the images, and they would come up on me trembling during the session. So I was trying to like balance talking to the client and soothing my trembling dog, who was seeing the Akashic records as well, because they're so sensitive. Who would benefit, um, Jen, from from your book, the SFT Lexicon? Oh my gosh, everyone, 
everyone who um, it, it says such because it has mostly any issue that you can think of in there, like um, like suicide or death or losing a child, wanting to conceive a child. Lots of things that we don't think of, like why, like, oh, I can't have a baby. Well, most people who can't have a baby is because they've lost a child in a past lifetime, and they're terrified of, you know, they've actually literally had babies gutted out of their bellies because they were like, you know, um, a concubine of the king, and they didn't matter. So their baby was ripped out of their belly, and they were left to die. And the terror of that prevents them from having a child in this lifetime. So anybody who's blocked, anyone who, who's told that they're a lost cause, anyone who facilitates any kind of healing, they use my book as a reference guide. It's a, it's a textbook for life. And those people who help others and um, are so broken down because everyone complains to them, well, this is a great tool for that because if someone complains to you, Either they want help or they just want sympathy and they want to dump on you and use you. So if they want help, you can use the book, the SFT tab, and look up their issues and give them tabs to do. And if they want to use you, you'll find that out because if they're not willing to do the tabs, that means they're not willing to try anything. That means why should you, like, take it out of your hide and let yourself be wore down by their issues if they're not going to help themselves? So it's it's really good for for that, and and we've been trained just to be so careless in energy, and just to use each other and dump on each other that something like this is really need to hold people accountable for their own issues. You have written, I think you said nineteen books, um, a lot of books. This is this I believe this is the most recent. Is that correct? Well. This one is the amazing one because, so I knew, like, on some level I was battling truth and, and like, like the reason I call myself a dynamic healer is because the powers that be were trying to deal, dry up the, the possibility of healing in, in humanity, like, like creativity and kindness, love. Why is it easier, to, more acceptable to yell at someone than to say, I love you? Because these things were intentionally trying to be dried up by some some force, whatever. And so healing was one of those vibratory things that that was consciously trying to be dried up. Like it's it's against the law to say you're a healer, right? So so I I use the word healer so other people gives other people permission to know that they're a healer. Everybody's a healer. Someone, you smile at someone, they smile back. Uh, a smile actually changes your brain chemistry. So if you can help someone smile, you're a healer, and you're changing their brain chemistry. So everybody's a healer. So it's ridiculous that we can't use the word, and it's ridiculous that people don't realize their own empowerment and, and what's possible. So I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I, I, I actually the ultimate question was going to be: Do you recommend any of your other work to, as a companion to uh, the SFT lexicon? Well, yeah. The thing is, is the SFT lexicon is the one to get. That one you can get on my website. And be, the the reason for that is like my my fiance, my soulmate, who is dynamic in business. He does for the business world what I do for the individual which is amazing. He's going to 
bring the world amazing shifts in consciousness that way. He's, he's that intelligent. He's actually able to edit my books because he's tried to read them. And, and, you know, it's funny. Here's another evidence that I was Madame Blavatsky. He says that my writing is like English is my second language. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's kind of true, but I can't help it because I don't know how to write any other way. So he's edited all the books to make them really digestible to anyone, not just someone who can, like, follow with me because you might pick up that my thoughts are all over the place because my consciousness is kind of expansive and it, it takes everything in. So it's hard for people to follow along sometimes. And, and you're doing a great job, Chavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing a terrific job. Uh, you, oh, you're, you're putting these all of these concepts into terms that I can understand, and I know that means that if I can understand them, that uh, our audience understands them well. So um, I'm very appreciative of that as as well. You said the book is available on your website because I think I went to Amazon and I think it said they're unavailable. I'm not, I might be wrong about that, but I thought I saw that. No, that's true. So that's the thing. We have 19 books on, we had 19 books on Amazon. And when you, when these writers put their books up, this is, um, they don't make any money. So it's, it's it's going to a third party. So part of the things we do is, is these subtle healings and we want to shift that. So when I write a book, you know, that's 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 my experience. That I've worked for that. Sure. And anyone else who's written a book, so if they give it to Amazon, they're they're losing they're diluting their effectiveness because they're not getting compensated for it. So as we as we um upgrade the books so they're like really digestible by mainstream, we're gonna put them on on the website so that um Everyone can can um, get a good, I mean, they're a good solid book. We just got our first hard copy of the second edition, and it really looks like a textbook for life. It really is beautiful, and you can feel the energy in it. You can feel the intention, and and we're just so proud of that because people are getting helped with it. There's no better feeling because everything I've went through, it doesn't even matter because I'm able to turn it into lemonade. If I can help people with what I've gone through, then so what, you know? It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful to know that when I go out this lifetime that I have made a difference and everything that I did was able to do for others. I'm doing. Yeah. Your uh your outlook on everything is is inspiring. Uh the fact uh-huh. that you suffered so many hardships but yet turned all of those into positive energy to help other people is just amazing, um Jen. I want to remind people that your website is genuinehealing.com and genuine is J E N, a play on Jen's name but uh your story is fantastic the book is fabulous as well it's a great help to people and thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this with us. Thank you for being such a good host and and listening and you're amazing yourself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that and I hope you'll agree to come back at some point. I'd love to just just ask me and I'll be here. 